Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Highly Functional. This is Brianne Showman, and I am joined today by registered dietitian and exercise physiologist Julie Hansen. Julie and I had a great conversation around intuitive eating and what that actually means for us as humans. But then we also dove into what everybody wants to know. How do we eat healthy while we are living a busy, active lifestyle, both with and without children? I think as an athlete, you will find this information very helpful in order to help create an easier lifestyle for yourself when it comes to healthy eating. So let's tune in. Julie, thank you for joining me today. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me. You are quite welcome. I'm super excited about this. Um, Mutual colleague connected us and... Once I got on the phone with you and realized, found out what you were all about, I was just even more excited um, because of not necessarily who you've worked with, but essentially like what you focus on and what your um, kind of past work has done. And so um, kind of just give us, before we get dive into that though, give us a little background of who you are and how you became to doing nutrition work and all this. Okay. Well, you know, I was pretty lucky. I grew up in Kansas um, on a farm. And for some reason, I decided early on that I wanted to be a dietitian. Um, My mother had taken me to see a dietitian when I was in high school. And so I thought, well, that looks like fun. So I never went through that. What am I going to do with my life? I always knew. And I always knew what school because we are Kansas State Wildcats. And um, like, I think purple ran in my blood because like I from day one was like, this is where you're going and this is what you're doing. You know, in Kansas, we don't really have anything else going on besides sports. So my parents are still diehard Kansas State fans. And the funny thing is, right now I'm at Weber State, and they're purple and white Wildcats. So. Oh, <laughs> that's awesome. Really well, yeah. So I always knew what I wanted to do. I, I don't, and so I kind of had to work my way through, you know, I, I kind of, I feel like I paid my dues, and I really like what I'm doing now. But along the way, I think nutrition has, has kind of evolved. I mean, the, you know, nutrition is not confusing. It's just... Um, I think there's just so many different um, opinions out there right now. And I think people struggle with knowing who is actually the expert. And so I think, you know, sometimes we just have to be a little careful with that. And that's what I like being a dietitian. Like that's my niche. Like I don't try to do anything else. That's, that's what I do. So anyway, and I think, again, the message has evolved. I remember back when I first started, I was, okay, we're going to count fat grams. We're going to work on fiber grams. You know, we're going to do all that. And, and now I think there's a much kinder message that can be given. And um, I think working with your relationship with food is a really great way to start. And <clears throat> I also enjoy working with families, you know, kind of getting families back on track as well. And so, did I answer your question? I don't know. I probably got it. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. We go off on all sorts of tangents on this show, so we're good. <laughs> okay, good, good. Yeah. When you talk about like a kinder message and changing kind of how people are viewing food, what does that mean exactly? Yeah. So one of the things I discovered many years ago, so there's a book called Intuitive Eating and this was published, the workbook's new, but the book was published in the mid nineties. And when that was published, it gave us a different platform, at least me, a different platform to work with patients. And so From that point on, I really kind of switched my message into don't eat this, don't eat that, but like, let's focus on, you know, are you, are you hungry? Are you full? Or why are you eating? It's more the why of eating Mm -hmm. that I'm curious about because the what can change. 
Um, but you have to kind of figure out, I think, first what's broken. And so I'm a, I, I kind of explained to Rand, like I'm a non-diet dietitian and um, that's what I do. And so people know that when they come to see me, like I, I'm, we're not going to do, we're not going to do keto. We're not going to do paleo. If you want to do that, do it on your own. But I like, I mean, I will support you if you need it, but I just don't think that's necessarily the path to go. Now I am all about you deciding, you know, what's going to make you feel good. But I, but I think we have to be open to the fact that there's really no good or bad foods. I mean, research has shown us there's not one bad food out there. Um, and I think that's the message we also need to send to our children. You know, if we're confused about what we're eating, our kids are also going to be confused about what they're eating. Cool. So, yeah. So when we're talking intuitive eating and talking about the, like, why are you eating? Are we getting into some of just like the habits that people get into as far as like, oh, I'm bored, so I'm just snacking, or is it something else that we're talking about? Okay, that's a good question. And here's how I like to think of it. Is it a problem to be solved, or is it something deeper? So a lot of times, and I do, and, and you know, I do assessments too, you know, to kind of figure that piece out, because sometimes people don't know. Sometimes they come into me, you know, wanting intuitive eating, because I advertise that, that that's what I do, or they'll find me on the intuitive eating website. But then when they come in, it's like, oh, this is a bigger problem than we thought. Um, so that's really a very good question. Um, so let's talk about the habit piece of it, because I do think there can be a habit around this too. And, and you know, when you talk about boredom, I think boredom is really deep. I think boredom can be unproductive shame. <laughs> kind, of <a> <laughs> kind of a new word. A new, a new kind of word I just came up with, but like unproductive shame. Like think about that, you guys, right? Like if we're not doing something, there can be shame, right? Like, so I think it can be deep. I know. Like, but I it, like it. Yeah, like it really can be deep. And so I, here's what I think. Like men often, like sometimes don't realize that's what's going on for them. You know, they come home from work, eat dinner. They're fine. I mean, they're not hungry, but then they want to snack all night. And so I think part of that is they don't know how to be still. You know, a lot of people don't know how to be still. And, um, within families. I think sometimes kids don't know how to be still either, you know, and just be unproductive. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So eating, eating is doing something. So a lot of times that way you do it. So it's kind of cool. Like if, if that's really the awareness we need and that's it, that's cool. We can work on that. But a lot of times it is a lot deeper than that. And that's where we get into disordered eating or eating disorders um, to where, yeah, we, we probably need some psychological help as well. And, um, but it, it is neat to kind of peel off those layers and sort of see what's there. Yeah. So habits can run strong, you know, and habits can also be conditioned. You, you remember Pablo's dogs, you know, where they ring the bell and the dogs started to salivate because they knew they were going to get food. Like sometimes, like we have that as well. Like we walk into a movie theater, you know, and that's where we have popcorn. And so like, we're not hungry or anything, but we associate the movie with popcorn. Mm -hmm. In fact, they've done some really cool studies. There's another interesting uh, book out there on a website, mindlesseating.org, that is super cool. And they actually gave people two-week-old stale popcorn, and they still ate it because that's what they do in a movie theater. Like, they didn't even taste it. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, we actually think we're smarter than we are, but we're really not, you know, or... Like we even eat more if we're sitting closer to the buffet table, like we even if we're sitting further away. And so there's learning a little bit more about our environment and how that contributes to our eating, how our emotions contribute to our eating, I think is 
is absolutely fascinating. As, as long as, you know, we got to look at, is there really an un underlying fear healing from trauma? You know, just so many things go into eating that it's amazing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then on a surface level too, it's like how many social things are around eating? You know, it's like you get together with a group of friends and it's always around, I shouldn't say always, but probably 90% of the time it's around food in some right. way. Right. And we do tend to eat more when we're in a crowd, but still with intuitive eating kind of paying more attention to those cues and you can still, I mean, you've always got your brain with you, <laughs> right? So, you know, your brain comes with you no matter what. And so <laughs> just accessing it, um, because your brain has a lot to do with eating. And that's why when we're eating distracted, we can't, we sometimes don't know how much to eat because we're not paying attention. So even sometimes in a group, um, that's kind of what happens, but it still can be fun and it still can be great. But trying to just pay a little bit more attention to those, those signals of the nuances of hunger and fullness. So, um, and, and, and fullness is really interesting because you guys really, the food doesn't taste good after a while. Do you know what I mean, Brianne? Do you, I mean, like yeah. if you really pay attention, it starts losing its taste. And I sometimes will talk with patients about that and they're like, really? Or they don't agree with me. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, we have that. We have that battle a lot. <laughs> um, that, yeah. So, so being able to discern that is expressive because it could probably years, you know, maybe they grew up in a family where there were seven kids in the family and they had to scarf down all the food because they were afraid they wouldn't get enough or they learned it in college or maybe in the military or something that they just couldn't get enough. So mm -hmm. learn to eat fast. So eating quickly is another tool. Um, well, let me say we need to at least learn to eat more slowly that can help to discern fullness as well. So yeah, it, it definitely is true. And I know like me personally, I have a really bad habit of eating very fast and I always have, I blame it on my dad cause he's even faster than I do. Um, yep. Yep. but it is something that I'm, I have been working on as far as just like being more conscious of what I'm doing. And it's even, it's not even have anything to do with social. It's me at home by myself. Yeah. And I do that. Right. So it's something I've been starting to be more attentive of. Doing. Yeah. And so trying to eat maybe with your opposite hand might slow you down. Or sometimes I give people chopsticks or um, there is a fork out there that, that turns red and green, like green to eat and red to stop eating. Oh, that's awesome. It's called a happy fork or something. I don't know. Like, that would be a fun gag gift though, like for your dad. <laughs> or you could give him the chopsticks. Here you go, dad. I yeah. Must yeah. It'd be fun. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. So. Very fun. Let's talk a little bit. Um, you do a lot of work with college athletes. I know you do some work with eating disorders, but let's just go athletes in general. Um, since a lot of my listeners are athletes, is there something as far as just different than something you recommend differently when we're talking athletes versus just the general population or do you pretty, is pretty much in theory, everyone the same? You know, I think with athletes, especially, you know, college athletes or yeah, even some of yours, it's like a small part-time job that you have, right. Of being an athlete. So, um, I, I think it's more just the time management of it and making sure they have their nutrition because 
you know, depending on how long they're exercising, we're going to have to look at pre-nutrition, post-nutrition, if they need something during. So it's a lot of organization around that. And so I really do look at just daily nutrition first because none of it's really going to matter if they don't have their daily nutrition down, you know, I mean, they could take all the protein powder in the world, but, uh, (laughs) you know, if they're not eating enough the rest of the time, it's not going to matter. So that's kind of what I start with is that, you know, how many eating episodes do you have? Like for my college athletes, you know, let's just use them for an example. Like most of the practices are in the, in the afternoon. So I want them to have three eating episodes before that. Well, for these kids that are, you know, they're going to school, then they're practicing, like, they're like, huh, I can't put all that together. <laughs> so that's what we do. And we, but for those, you're, you're, you know, probably your audience as well, like they're working, then they're trying to do this training. And so, again, it's just a little bit of self care that we really have to look at. And then I start focusing a little bit more on, you know, the nutrients they need to get in, I, I will look at their macronutrients. Um, but usually I, I design it in a way where let's look at your plate and let's see what your plate needs to look like, you know? So, um, and I do recommend carbohydrates for most of them are going to need that. So, yeah. Okay, cool. Let's dive into the busy life style. You know, like you said, whether it's the student athlete or the someone who works all day and then also still has training even either morning or evening. We often, I know you hear it, I hear it all the time, but it's the training healthy is too hard. I don't have time for it. I know you do a lot of work with this. So what are some ways we can bypass these beliefs or get past these beliefs and find time in our day or a way to create how to eat, you know, meal prep planning, that sort of thing. Yeah. Well, I'm going to say start using your freezer. So if you need to clean it out, get it cleaned out (laughs) because it could be put to good work. And you know, sometimes I think we forget about what can be frozen. You guys, seriously, sandwiches can be frozen. Peanut butter sandwiches. You are not going to make it in the morning. You know, you're not going to make it in the morning. So make it a couple days in advance, you know, put them in the freezer, make your turkey sandwiches, put them in the freezer. Um, Sometimes I think lunch gets overlooked. You know, we think, oh, I can, I can make it work. I can get through it. Um, But no, why don't you make some specific foods, like maybe some grain-based salads, like I can send you some recipes too, but you know, just things like that rice bowl that you could just freeze and have ready for lunch. Um, But it doesn't have to be complicated. You know, wraps, you know, which if you get a, you know, like I love the spinach wraps, you know, I love those, but the, the, okay, here is the secret ingredient. Like, this is really funny, but this is it. It is vegetable cream cheese. <laughs> if you put that on your wrap first, it's sticky. And then it, then you just put your meat and your veggies down the middle and roll it up and you're all done. Fried and tested by Weber State Athletic. Yeah, they love that. <laughs> so yeah, so even just things like that. And so where I think people kind of run into trouble is they start, saying, oh, well, this isn't good for me. This isn't good for me. This isn't good for me. And so then their food list gets really short and then they get, well, I don't know what to eat now. Like, I don't know, Randy, do you see that your audience has that issue or, and I think that further complicates the planning issue. Yeah, I think definitely. um, They're like, I think when people, especially when they're new to nutrition, it's like they're, they don't know what to do because they've been eating crap and they know they need to stop eating crap and so then they don't know what to do and so 
it's not yeah. necessarily like difficult, but it's like they stick to these five things because they know they're okay and then they get bored. Right. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good one. Uh-huh. So three food groups. That's kind of what I shoot for at meals. So for breakfast, a carbohydrate, a protein, and a fruit. And then for lunch and dinner, a carbohydrate, protein, and a vegetable. So half your plate, when you're really training, half your plate is probably going to need to be grains. If you're not doing heavy training, the half could be vegetables. So it depends on where you're at in your training. And then I want the protein and the carbohydrate. And you can get those picnic plates. I'm in my other home right now or else I'd show you. But like they have picnic plates. You guys remember those? Like that, they're kind of cut in half and they mm -hmm. have little things. Yeah. So those are a great tool as well. And, um, you know, again, I think it's more, um, let's look at again, the why and how much of eating is also, I think you can keep the variety in there. Like, I don't really think you have to cut things out. It's more just probably how much you're eating and how often. So like normally I would say most athletes probably three meals a day, two to three snacks. Is that what you do, Brian? Would you say, or? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, for some reason have fallen in love again with cottage cheese. I don't know why, but I'm like <laughs> cottage cheese. I, I mean, I kind of went away from it for a while, but so I was Googling the other day, 30 ways to eat cottage cheese. Like, <laughs> like fascinating, you know, right? Like, I don't know, you know, so, and I just think that's such a great little snack. Oh, and then my other favorite snack is carrots and peanut butter. Like, I don't know if you tried that, but seriously, that is delicious. I, my roommate in college got me hooked on that combination. Oh. Now for, I don't eat peanuts anymore. Legumes don't do well with me, but sunflower seed butter is my addiction. Okay. I can so eat you're the only one that has not rolled your eyes when I've said that. Like everybody <laughs> else is like, carrots and peanut butter, really? I'm like, oh yeah, it's sweet, right? It's like Amazing. an apple. It's amazing. <laughs> well, oh, then here's my, okay, you guys, here's my other, I did bring this. Like, this is my lovely snack. I don't know. Now, you have to be, I don't know. I love figs. And, you know, nobody's ever going to want to eat them. They're the ugliest things in the world that you've ever seen. But I got these at Costco. So these are my, like, I'll take them out on bike rides. I'll eat them. I mean, they're kind of that sweet taste, but they're really good for sports nutrition. Seriously, like, they've got that carbohydrate in there. Yeah. And I wouldn't necessarily eat them on a run, but, um, you know, and for the kind of training, you're doing a lot of CrossFit and power stuff. Is that right? Yeah, running CrossFit. Yeah. Yeah. And so even you guys still need those carbohydrates during training. You know, like I think sometimes they're, they think it's all about protein, but you know, you need some of those carbohydrates too, because you're bringing that yeah. as well. So things are something I forget about too. Like I, mean, I know they well, exist and I eat them occasionally, but there's something I forget about on any sort of regular basis. I know. I know. I just, yeah, I like to rediscover. So I guess how, let's talk about that. Like you said, to interject different foods. And sometimes I'll just go to, like, we have some really cool stores here. Like I'm in Utah and we have, um, a, a kind of a family owned grocery store chain called Harmon's where they actually have dietitians. And I know they have them in other places too, but they have this amazing deli and salad bar. And sometimes I'll just go look at it just to get inspired. <laughs> I just, like it does. Like I just go, huh, okay, that's a good idea. Or that's a good idea. So when you have time, you know, going to the grocery store and even Costco too, you know, just maybe trying to plan like 10 or 15 extra minutes so you can just brainstorm and, and just let the grocery store be a great way to get ideas. Um, that's kind of what I do sometimes because I have to get out of my rut every once in a while. Right? I actually do that a lot, either the deli or I'll just like, we have a store, it's kind of mostly Arizona, somewhat California, but called Sprouts. It's more of a natural. Oh, I've heard of that. Yes. Uh -huh. And um, a lot of times like 
I'll just kind of wander even just the yeah. regular aisles to see what stuff they brought in I haven't seen before. Like, look at labels, see what's full of a bunch of crap, see what's full of actual, like, real ingredients, and just kind of, just so I have that knowledge and information and can... Right, right. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Like, just get inspired again, you know? And I think, I think the fear of food also comes into play because people are afraid of what to eat, sort of, or not sure about what to eat. Um, so I think that sort of falls in, in that category as well. Um, that tends to re reduce your food variety. And I think, again, Brian, you kind of hit on that too, was the variety is a big deal. You know, having that variety is great. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Besides using the freezer, any other meal prep ideas you have for like time saving for busy families? Right. Yeah. So I um, mass produce a lot of things too. Like on the week, like on the weekends, I you tend to try to have an idea, you know, maybe three or four meals is all you really need to plan at night for evening. And then I think sometimes you can live off the leftovers. You could have baked the cookie tonight, you know, whatever. But um, maybe cooking a bunch of chicken on the weekend or double batching it. Like if you're making lasagna, make a double pan of it. So you're only cooking once, but um, you're prepping once and then you've got extra meals and you can freeze them too. So um, things like that. I think planning is a big deal, you know, kind of knowing like maybe Monday night is meat night. Maybe Tuesday night is the pasta night. Maybe chicken is. Wednesday night, you know, I don't know what, however you want to do that. Um, I think rotisserie chickens are a great cost saving thing too, right? Like getting up, teaming some of those and deboning them. Um, and just having that ready to go. Um, and then the kids too, maybe put them in charge of one night. If that's something that they would want to do, you could give them some parameters, but <laughs> yeah. so you don't want to end up with hot dogs every week, but, um, yeah. So, I guess, I, guess, I think that's it. And some people are really good at meal planning. Like, you know, some people in your audience are probably super at it. And then other people, it's like, they're just, you know, I kind of think that, you know, people are, there's different types of eaters, right? And some are just chaotic. You know, they, for some reason, they thrive on chaos. And if their world calms down, that, that's not comfortable for them, right? But I think their eating is the same way. So no matter what, they're still going to probably be chaotic. But even for those people, if you guys can have stuff on hand, that you can just throw together. You know, if you've got tuna, maybe you could make a tuna casserole, you can make a tuna salad, or just, just have things that you could throw together if you don't like the planning, I guess. Sometimes people don't. Yeah. Know? So they don't feel, maybe they won't be hungry for it. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So. What do you do for, you know, a lot of, a big excuse I hear a lot is their kids are picky eaters or their husband won't eat what they want or spouse won't eat what they want. Um, what do you have for getting around some of that? Cause obviously, well, you could force a child to eat something, but that's only going to go right. so well. Right. So what do you, what suggestions do you have around some of those situations? Right. Well, the spouse is probably another health professional, not me. <laughs> <laughs> Great point. Oh yeah. So let me talk about the kids cause we can control that. Right. <laughs> so this book, um, secrets of feeding a healthy family. This is by Ellen Satter. So if you go to ellensatter.org, E-L-L-Y-N, Satter, S-A-T-T-E-R, just Google that. This is how I raise my kids. So, and I, and I sent this to Rand too, this, um, it's called the Division of Responsibility in Feeding. And the parents are in charge of the what, where, and when of feeding. So the what, where, and when. The kids are in charge of if and how much. 
So let that settle for a minute because a lot of us were not raised that way. Um, a lot of us were forced to eat the food on our plate. But I will tell you that kids know when they're being pressured. They know when they're being pressured to eat, pressured, um, you know, when they're being praised, that's still pressure to them. So I never really paid much attention if my kids ate or not. So I would pick stuff I liked because I want them to be exposed to food. I want them to grow up and eat at my table. I don't want to go down and eat at theirs. So for those of you that are in the cycle of chicken nuggets or mac and cheese, you know, like we can break out of that. Kids are naturally neophobic, which means they're afraid of new things. Um, but it takes them, what, 12 to 15 times? And if they see it, they'll eat it. Or if they see it enough, they'll eat it. Um, so I just would encourage you to put something on the table you'll know they'll eat. Like, for instance, let's say you're making some sort of casserole and the kids are like, yeah, not touching it then I would make sure you have milk on the table, you have bread on the table, something you know that they'll eat, and then just don't make a big deal of it. And then you can tell them that, you know, snack, will, let's say this is for dinner, if you're eating at six, snack will be at eight or 7.30 or whatever. And so they have to wait till then till snack and you get to tell them what snack is. So it's no big deal. We don't really even think about it because the natural consequence will be the kids will be hungry. Because for a kid to be hungry for an hour is a lot. And so maybe over time, they'll get over their pickiness. It's such a great way to live. But I will say that your spouse does need to be on the same, same side of the fence here. Because if he's kind of being picky or whatever, that's not going to help. <laughs> so, like I said, that's a different health professional. But, um, but they have to back you up on that. So if you're not going to force your kid to eat, you know, which again, never works. If you guys are just going to back off, focus on the conversation have a fun topic, you know, just really make your mealtime pleasant, the kids will relax and, and probably you'll find eventually they will be eating. So there's other fights that you can have, but you don't need to have food fights. Just not worth it. The kids will eat and they will grow predictably. So, very, very true. Yes. Yes. Awesome. Any when we're thinking about not say the meal prep, but just the like some simple, maybe on the go foods um, for, you know, maybe you don't, you literally don't have time to actually sit down during the day and eat lunch, or you're going straight from work to picking up your kids to taking them into practice to getting home at nine o'clock at night. So what are some simple things that like aren't going to go bad that you can kind of take with you during the day for those purposes? Right. Well, you know, I think some of those, you know, on the go protein shakes can probably, you know, suffice for something like that. Um, some nuts, um, fruit, definitely. There's all these different bars out there now, you know, there's the granola bars that I think are a little bit fluffy, you know, and don't really fill you up that much. I mean, they can have their place or there's the more, you know, sufficient bars. I, I, tried the RX bars. I wasn't a big fan, but some people really like them. And maybe for allergy purposes, those are great, but cliff bars are really good too. And those are pretty filling. Um, maybe you keep little packets of peanut butter around, you know, they have those little um, convenience ones. And so you can keep that around with some crackers, you know, something like that too. Um, and that really would go with morning or, or noon. Um, it is, if you're working, make sure there's food, you know, at your desk that you can grab. Um, and 
they're also, I'll tell you one thing that was a, that was a game changer for me. And I actually, sorry, I don't have it in front of me, but it's a microwave egg cooker. So it's this little flap that opens up like this, right? And you can cook an egg in 27 seconds and you can um, put your whole wheat English muffin in the toaster, slap a peach piece of cheese on it and walk out the door in probably two minutes. <laughs> So, and it's not crumbly in the car, you know, so nobody can tell I ate in the car because there's no problem. <laughs> um, that's the other thing that's really nice about it. So um, seriously, like this changed my life. That little egg cooker. Love it. Love it. You could put spinach in it, you could put cheese in it, you know, ham, whatever. But anyway, those are kind of fun, you know. Um, and, you know, they have, okay, they also have those new little like the oatmeal things, you know, that, that are pretty like the Oompa Oats or I don't know. Oh, right. yep. I know what you're talking, talking about. Yep. Yeah. Cause you just add hot water to, I mean, those would be great too. Right. So again, that's probably the time where you want to go to the grocery store and go, yeah, what, you know, what could I, what could I do here? You know, what, mm-hmm. is, what could I do? You know, little trail mixes of cereal that you can make cereal, nuts, dried fruit, having those ready to go too. So. Awesome. Cool. Cool. All right. Well, it's kind of to kind of just do not saying summary, but for someone who wants to kind of start changing their eating habits, busy life, what are kind of three, what would you say like the top simple tips you can give them for starting to incorporate healthier eating into their day? Okay. First of all, I would really try to get in more fruits and vegetables. I, I think that's kind of one thing that I sort of see across the board. So making sure, again, that you have a fruit or a vegetable at each meal would be a good thing. Um, I think that's number one. I think two is, again, the organization. I, I just, I think that's huge. Having some idea of how your meals are going to work out for the day. I mean, I'm sure, Brianne, you do that. And I, right? I mean, there's some mm-hmm. thought and attention to it. Not obsession, but some thought and attention to where you kind of know where you're going to go. I mean, you, you do that with your training, right? Like you have a a plan for your training, kind of a little bit of a plan or some thoughts about what are some possibilities of what you're going to eat that day. Mm-hmm. And then um, <clears throat> three, I think being willing um, to just keep that variety in your diet, like just being willing to try new things, being willing to um, eat foods that you like Um around the structure of hunger and fullness. And okay, so I'm going to add one more, I guess. So again, like look at the why of eating, you know, are you eating out of boredom? Are you eating for reasons outside of hunger? Um, And maybe take a look at that. So yeah, I like that, especially that closing one. Um, Just because it is such, I think boredom eating is such a huge thing. And um, it's, we people realize it without even, or people do it without even realizing. I think a lot of times that they are eating, you know, at, at some stage. And so, right. Oh, um, I actually had a client. She's like, I need to be. This is before we started working together. But she's like, Yeah, I need to start tracking. She's like, I don't remember eating the apple that was on my desk this morning. Oh, yeah. I was like, yeah, that's a problem. <laughs> right. Yeah, I know. We're so busy that mindless eating. Yeah, you're exactly right. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Well, if someone wants to ask you questions, want to see more about what you're all about, how can people find you, reach out to you? Yeah, so kind of the easiest way is through my website. It's Julie Hansen Nutrition. 
and .com. It's pretty easy to find and you can message me through there. Also have a list of my services and some classes that I have online too. So yeah. Awesome. Nutrition. Yep. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time. Yes. Really, I really appreciate it. I know you're not even at home. You're on vacation. So I really appreciate you taking this time. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. Okay. And that concludes this episode of Highly Functional. I truly appreciate the time you spend to listen to myself and my colleagues share with you how to become highly functional individuals and how to be highly functional individuals. If you learned great information from this, I would love for you to share it with your friends and help them become highly functioning individuals as well. Until next time, go out and be highly functional.